Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. The last couple weeks, uh, the first week on spiritual warfare, we talked about... Um, well, I forgot what the title was exactly, but recognizing the real enemy. And basically, we spent most of that time talking about uh, how people are not the real enemy. You know, we get caught up in looking at the flesh and blood, and the flesh and blood distracts us from the real enemy, which is you know the principalities and powers and things that are there behind uh, behind the scenes that we can't see. And then last week we talked about. Pulling down strongholds. And we talked about how Satan, he will put lies in our minds. And if he can get us believing a lie, he can control us. And so this week though, and I said, we've, we've referenced some of this, but this week I want to try to get real specific on who this enemy is, what this enemy is, how they work, what they do, biblically from the Bible. And so I want to read Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. And it says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil and his angels. This is who we're up against. We're in a real spiritual battle with a real enemy. It's invisible. That's because it's spiritual. But just because something's spiritual doesn't mean it's not real. It The spiritual is just as real as you and I are. And we can't, just for example, we can't see the wind. Okay, You can't see the wind, but you can tell that it's there, can't you? You see the evidence of the wind. You can see the trees blowing. You can see things flying around. And you can't actually see the wind, though. Wind is invisible. You can feel it. You can see the evidence of it. But it's, it's invisible. And the spiritual, it's kind of the same thing. You can't see the spiritual, but you see the effects of it. The effects, uh, the fact that it's there it is very obvious. It's very clear. And to try to deny the stuff, it's ridiculous. Okay, The Sadducees, they didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in a spirit. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in any of those things. Pretty much what you see is what you get. The a lot of the you know the atheists they don't believe in any of that you know just what you see is what you get. We have uh, our news media. I, I don't know if this is. It seems like a new. I don't know if it's a newer thing. Or I've just been noticing it, but you hear them constantly using the term mentally ill, mental illness. You don't hear them talk about evil anymore. You don't hear them talk about wickedness. If when somebody does something horrible. They always talk about you know what mental illness they had. Nobody ever says well, that person was just wicked, which wicked just means lawless, because a lot of these media people they are lawless. I mean, you've got the uh, you know you got your Anderson Coopers and stuff you know that are the homosexual types that uh, that's that's lawlessness, that's wickedness, and so of course they're not going to call anybody wicked. They're not going to say that. And, um, you know, as far as evil, you know, whenever people talk about evil, it just kind of implies that there's just a little more to it than just that person, that there's something really sinister going on and something horrible. And evil and wickedness is real. And the spiritual is real. The devil and his angels, they're real. They're going to be thrown 
into the lake of fire one day. The same lake of fire that the lost are going to be thrown into. Right here, when Jesus is telling the story here, He's talking to people. And He's telling people, depart from Me. And He's telling them they're going to go to the lake of fire, which was not prepared for people the lake of fire, because Andrew just asked on the way to church, on the way to church, you know, the lake, lake of fire is that has that been created yet? Is it there yet? And I believe, I believe it is there. It was something that was made for the devil and his angels when they fell, but it wasn't meant for people. But however, when mankind fell, uh, they put themselves in a situation now where their fate was going to be the same as the devil and his angels. And so, uh, we want to look at the enemy tonight. The real enemy, that is the devil and his angels. He's our enemy. He's the, they're the ones that we want to see thrown into hell. We don't want to see people thrown into hell. We're trying to, we're trying to rescue some. I mean, we're trying to pull them out of the fire, so to speak. People who are lost, I mean, they are as good as in hell. And unless they get saved from their sins, that's where they're going to go. And that's why we've got to be careful not to let people become our enemy and recognize who this real enemy is. So, things that we need to know about the devil and his angels. And there's a lot of false ideas about, you know, and the Bible never uses the word demons. It uses the word devils. Okay? But um, I don't think it uses the word demons. Yeah, but it uses, yeah, the devils is the word it always uses. And. I know there's a lot of goofy ideas about where the demons came from and stuff, and I'm not even going to get into most of those theories because I don't want you running off into some of these weird things people get into. But I personally believe the Bible says in Revelation it talks about the devil, the Lucifer. He drew a third part of the stars. When Satan fell, he took a third of the angels with him, and I believe they are the demonic forces that are out there today. And so. Things we need to know about them. Well, one, look in James chapter 2 and verse 19. This here is interesting. This is a great verse to share with people who say they believe in God, but yet they don't want to follow His Word. They don't want to call on His name for salvation. But yet they say they believe God. I think this is a great verse for people that say, uh, you, know, you know, well, the Muslims believe in God. Or, well, the Jews, they believe in God. But they don't, you know, they don't, they don't believe in Christ. So, you know, they're still going to heaven. Well, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, and just believing in God is not enough. Because right here in James two verse nineteen it says, "Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well." The devils also believe and tremble. Not only do they just believe in God, they believe there's only one God. I mean, even the devils, the demons are monotheistic. They believe in one God. And so, uh, Brother Gomez, you know, he preaches on you know, demonic faith all the time. You know, the people, they, they believe in one God. Well, good job. So does the devil. So does his, uh, his followers, his angels, the demons. They believe in that too. And you know what? Their belief sometimes is even better than a lot of people's because they're scared of God. They fear God. There's a lot of people who say they believe in God but have no fear of Him at all. Well, boy, they're, they're one step below a demon in their faith and in their belief. And so the devils, they, they believe in God. They know who He is. At one time, they were with Him in heaven. They know Him very well. well we're going to see that they knew Jesus Christ. They recognized Him. 
when he was on earth. Because, why? Because they've been with him before. It's an interesting thing about these people, but they do. They believe in one God. The devils also, they can possess the lost. Now, not save people. They cannot possess saved people. I'll show you why here in a moment. But uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 33. Luke chapter 4 and verse 33. I want you to notice this. It says, And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What have I to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Notice this devil, this unclean Spirit, this unclean devil. That's the way what they're referred to a lot of times as a spirit of uncleanness. Now, I uh, I don't know for sure, but you know, I almost like that when I think of an unclean spirit. Okay, the Bible talks a lot in the Old Testament about uncleanness. Okay, and there was, uh, and when it comes to sin, I mean, sin is a disgusting thing. People can do some very horrible and vile things. Things that are very common that you don't even want to speak about, especially around children. But yet, they go on every day. You hear the horrible things that people do, just the perversion and stuff out there. I believe those people are demon, what we would call demon-possessed people. They have a spirit of uncleanness in them. And I think the Bible, I almost wonder sometimes, the Bible, when it talks about the unclean spirit, it never talks about what those people were doing. Or what they did, but I almost wonder if it's because it was something so perverted that you know it just didn't want to mention that because it, it was too disgusting to talk about. And there are some horrible, horrible things that go on. And you know these devils—they are wicked. They're vile. They try to get us to commit sin. They try to get people to do things that are wrong. And we see all the time where people—I mean, literally—can get involved. People can just get involved and do some of the most disturbing, most horrible things. And I believe that that's demonic. And, and there are several reasons. One, because what, what does it mean to be possessed? Right, what does it mean? To be, well, to possess means really to control or to indwell. Okay, for example, today you all, if you're saved, you're possessed. You're in the possession of somebody. Are, are you not? We're in the possession of the Holy Spirit. We're in the possession of Jesus Christ. We've been bought with a price. We belong to Him. No man is able to pluck you out of my Father's hand. Why? Because He possesses you. He holds your soul. And thank God for that, that He has you. And nothing can take us out of possession of God. That's why a Christian can't be demon-possessed. You can't be possessed by two people can't have you. Two people can't own you. And the only one that could take you from someone is someone stronger. That's why a demon-possessed person can be saved because there is a stronger spirit out there, the Holy Spirit. And, but uh, a person who's saved, who's indwelled by the Holy Spirit or possessed by the Holy Spirit cannot be possessed by a demon. 
So possess, it means, it means you're, you know, you're held on to or to be controlled by. And yet we, we see all the time people that literally are controlled by different sins and different uh, wickedness or uncleanness. For example, look how many people today are literally controlled by drugs and alcohol. And I mean, even th- things like cigarettes. I mean, they're literally controlled by these things. They will go and they, I mean, they will spend all their money on these things. And they will lose their jobs over them. They'll lose their families over these things. Why? Because they're possessed by those things. They're controlled. Well, it's nothing demonic though. This is all natural. This is a physical phenomenon going on. You've got these chemicals in your brain working one way and blah, blah, blah. They'll go into all the scientific stuff. And I'm not going to say that there's nothing to that. There is something to that. But once again, there's something spiritual going on too. There absolutely is something spiritual. And people, they, do, they get possessed and controlled by these things all the time. People can get possessed and controlled by the spirit. The Bible calls it a spirit sometimes of bitterness. I mean, there's people that they will not go into church. If, if you do drag them into church, they're not going to listen. They're not going to enjoy it because maybe they're bitter over something that happened in church years ago. I mean, bitterness, it literally can change people's appearance. Have you ever seen somebody that you saw, you know, you saw them one time and they were just happy, smiley, People, and maybe a few years later, you see them, and boy, they did, they've aged a lot. They look mean. I mean, it's literally changed their appearance. Bitterness can do that to people. I mean, that spirit of bitterness, it literally can disfigure somebody. It can take a, you know, it can take a beautiful woman and make her into an ugly old hag. Not just because of, of you know, the physical changes uh, in a sense, but just, I mean, that appearance. I mean, boy, just mean looking. I mean, look at you and look like they could just turn, you know, like you're going to turn into stone if you stare at them too long. I mean, just that, that bad, that spirit of bitterness, there's an evil there. And I'm telling you, it is, it's a spiritual thing that's going on and it is totally real. And they are, they're controlled by it. They're, they constantly bring it up. It's all they want to talk about. People that they're controlled and indwelt by lust. You ever seen those people? You know, I mean, you know, ladies, you probably call, you know, you call those guys, you know, the creepers or the things or just you, you can see it in their eyes. Just that look of lust in their eyes. They're controlled by their lust and the things that they will do. I mean, they'll, they'll do whatever they can get away with. Why? They're controlled by it. You cannot get them into a church and to get them to sit and focus on a message because their mind is always somewhere else. Their mind is always on that lust of the flesh. They can't get away from that filth. That's why uh, you know the pornography industry is such a thriving industry because there is something spiritual going on there and people will. They will throw away tons and tons of money just to fulfill that lustful spirit that's inside of them. And that, and I, well, it's just, you know, when they see things, certain chemicals in the brain react, blah, 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 scientific stuff. It's a spiritual thing going on, okay? And the spiritual does affect the physical. If you have a spiritual problem, it's going to be seen on the outside. It's going to affect a lot of things. It's, it, it'll affect your health. I mean, you get, you start having, you know, bitterness problems and things. I mean, it literally, it can affect your health. 
It can mess up your, it'll mess up your digestive system, which will cause, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen just because of a spiritual problem that's going on. And people, they are, they're possessed by these things. And this man in Luke, he's possessed, or he's indwelt by an unclean spirit. And the miracle that happened here was when Jesus cast this, when he cast this unclean spirit out of him, that he didn't hurt him. The guy didn't get hurt because, uh, you know, casting out unclean spirits is something that people try doing all the time. For example, I, I don't think I'm stuff. I don't think I'm, you know, stretching this at all one bit here. But I do think there's ways you can get rid of unclean spirits that are not necessarily uh, Christian. For example, if you have somebody that's possessed by the unclean spirit of you know drugs and alcohol, you can send them to a rehab place. And you know what? So they literally sometimes they have to lock these people up and dry these people out. And what they go through physically is very, very difficult. It is a horrible process. So I've never had to go through anything like that. I can't imagine. But people, they can. They can get dried out. They can get cleaned out at those places. And sometimes they don't go back to it. But boy, is it hard. It is a very difficult thing physically that they go through. And the problem is, their numbers aren't real good. Simply because they get rid of one spirit, but they don't get the Holy Spirit. And there's a good chance those unclean spirits are just going to come back again. And you can do that stuff and it might work, but I'm telling you right now, what's a whole lot more effective is getting the Holy Spirit. And having Him fill your life. And having Him come in. You can try that other stuff. And you might get some spiritual victory here on earth. But boy, uh, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really difficult. And when Jesus cast that unclean spirit out, I mean, Jesus did it. And this guy doesn't even get hurt. And that was a miracle. There, it wasn't a painful process for the guy. It wasn't something that took you know several months or several weeks. I mean, boom, Jesus just did it right there. This man is over whatever his problem was. I don't know what it was, but I mean, he was over it. You know, we told you know, we told you a few weeks ago how we we were over in Moline and we saw that guy that was walking and looked like a zombie. Was walking like a zombie. I mean, you could tell this guy was clearly on drugs. And I'm telling you right now, um, it, you know, he could go to a rehab place and they could probably get him back to normal after several months. But boy, just imagine Jesus coming along and getting that guy normal in a matter of seconds. That's a miracle. And that's what happened here with this unclean spirit. Also in Luke 9.42 it says, And as he was yet a coming... The devil threw him down and tear him, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. These spirits that are inside, they will, they'll hurt people. They will, I mean, this here, it's just a child that's going on. And people automatically, a lot of times they'll say, well, yeah, I mean, they get the idea because there were children that were possessed that, uh, you know, the demons, they can just jump into anybody and get just anybody doing anything. We don't know a whole lot about this child, but you know, I, I, I wonder maybe what kind of family it was from. I wonder what kind of thing he was involved in. It says a child, but it could have been 
a teenager. Who knows uh, what this child was involved with? But this unclean spirit that was in him, I mean, it tore him up. It controlled him. It didn't want to leave. And these people that are getting involved in sin and get involved in perversion, that spirit that's controlling them, that spirit that indwells them, it doesn't want to leave. It doesn't want to go away. And that's why they say things, you know, I, I want to, I, you know, I just, I can't quit. Or that's why the homosexual crowd will say things like, I can't change. This is, this is who I am. I can't control it. No, it's the spirit inside them doesn't want to. And that spirit inside is not going to leave without a fight. And it's not, going to, it's not going to leave without doing some damage. And what these people need is they need the power of God. They need the Holy Spirit of God. They need the blood of Christ applied to their life. That's the only thing that can defeat these demonic forces like we're talking about. So they can try some of that other stuff, but it's going to be a painful process. It's going to be a very, it's going to be a very difficult process. And uh, here we have... Well, I mean, it... it Tore him, and Jesus, you know, though cast it out, Jesus healed him in this case. But sometimes, though, people, I mean, they do, they literally, I mean, I, I think a lot of suicidal stuff, I think a lot of that's demonic. I mean, there is just something natural about humans. We just have a survival instinct, don't we? I mean, we will do whatever we have to to survive. I, I read the story one time about the guy who was out hiking somewhere and he. You know, had a big boulder fall on his arm, and he literally cut his own arm off so he could get away because that was his only way of surviving. Can you imagine doing that? I, I can't imagine doing something that painful, but he wanted to survive. He wanted to live. That's normal. That is absolutely normal. You, I mean, we see that all the time where people, they sometimes they can get mangled maybe in a car accident or something, and they do, they just hang on to life. That is normal. That we have a survival instinct with us, inside of us. We want to live, yet there's people all the time killing themselves. I've heard, of, I've heard lots of stories, uh, or not, not a lot, but I, uh, I've heard a few stories of preachers who've killed themselves. And every time I've ever heard about a preacher killing themselves, they were on some kind of medication or drugs. Drugs, medication, what's the difference? A doctor prescribed one. Uh, a drug dealer gave the other one. Okay, I mean, and I'm not saying all medications bad, but boy, a lot of it does. It affects you mentally. It affects you spiritually. And I've never heard of a preacher killing himself where there wasn't some kind of drugs involved. I, I, I never have. I'm not saying it's never happened, but there, we want to hang on to life. And there is something spiritually very wrong when somebody's trying to end their life. There is something literally that demonic is going on. And because demons, they will, they will hurt you. The Bible says the unclean spirit, it tore the child. Okay, it wasn't something out there. He obviously didn't, you know, if, for people watching, it's the child doing it to himself. I mean, he literally, he's going to kill himself before he lets Jesus come in. But Jesus stops him. Jesus cast him out. And then Jesus healed the child. And a lot of this stuff where people are just mangling themselves and torturing themselves, killing themselves, that is, that's a spiritual thing. That is a demonic thing that's going on. There is the one story in the Bible, you know, have mercy on my son for he is a lunatic. It talks about how he would cast himself in the fire, or cast himself, try to drown himself. He would do these things. These spirits, they will, they will try to destroy you. And I'm telling you, anytime you're dealing with somebody that's having suicidal thoughts that's demonic what's going on 
That's demonic. And I tell you, those people, they need a lot. They need, they need your prayer. They need Jesus Christ. They need somebody to witness to them. They need somebody to share the Scripture to them and show them that there is hope and to tell them about Jesus Christ because what they're dealing with is spiritual. And you know what they do? Probably 100% of the time, you, you have, if, I, if I tell my wife I'm feeling suicidal, I'm going to kill myself. Well, all she's got to do is call the hospital. They'll send an ambulance. They'll come get me. They'll take me to the hospital. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to give me drugs. They're going to give me drugs to try to help me get over my suicidal tendencies to make me feel good. And I'm telling you right now, it's a spiritual problem that I've got going on. And that unfortunately, you know, our scientific community, our medical world, they totally ignore and deny the spiritual. And it is totally real. And I believe I believe we're making it worse with the drugs and things. But so the, the devil and his angels, they can possess the lost. They can influence thinking. And they can do this to a Christian, by the way. But first Timothy chapter four, verse one says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They can influence thinking. See these devils, they've been around people for a long time. They've had a lot of practice on people. They know how we think. They know what we like. They know how we're going to react to things. They know you. You know, you know I believe we have you know, people, they all believe in guardian angels. Well, I think we probably have a guardian demon too that watches us. And they know how we think. They know what we like. And the Bible says... In the latter times, people are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. I'm telling you right now, you know they know what we want to hear. I don't. I don't believe most of the spiritual damage that's being done is through the Church of Satan and things like that. It's that's that's not very seducing. Okay, I don't want to sacrifice animals. Okay, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of a lot of pets and animals and things. I'm not going to go sacrificing animals. That's not appealing to me. I'm not going to go drinking somebody's blood. I mean, I'm not going to do some of that gross stuff, you know, and messing with snakes and a lot of the creepy, satanic stuff. That's not seducing. What's seducing? All this liberal charismatic junk we've got going on all over the place. The stuff that appeals to the flesh. The, you know, sensual rock or the rock music that they're using to bring people in. This feel-good teaching and stuff that's going on. Never preaching against sin. Never talking about anything like that. That's seducing spirits. And people are leaving the faith left and right for that stuff. The Bible said it was going to happen. Where does that stuff come from? It comes from the devil and his angels. It is demonic. How do they they know? Because they know us. They know what we want to hear. And there's preachers out there that I believe are indwelt by these devils. And they know, boy, they, they can look at the crowd, they know what the people want to hear, and that's exactly what they're going to tell them. Exactly what they're going to tell them. They're not, they're not going to use the Bible. They'll hold the Bible. They might, you know, reference a verse vaguely so they appear like there's some Bible teaching going on, so it appears that they're for the Bible. But what they're actually teaching. It is, it's seductive, it's a lie, and it comes from the devil. didn't come from them, it comes from the devil. They're used to spread false doctrine, a lot of the goofy teachings and things. What I taught this morning in church, it totally goes against what's being taught most places. Because, uh, you know, 
The devil's doing a good job getting false doctrine spread. People are falling for it left and right. And it is a spiritual thing. It's a demonic thing going on. So they can influence thinking. And like we talked about last week, if you can influence somebody's thinking, well, you can influence their actions then, can't you? And these devils, they can influence actions. Luke chapter 22, verse 3 says, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. When Judas betrayed Jesus Christ, it, it was Judas Iscariot that betrayed Jesus. Judas was responsible for the actions that he did. I'm the, I, Judas, Judas was a bad guy. Okay? But Judas, when he actually did the horrible deeds, he was possessed by the devil. The Bible says there are several references to Satan having entered into Judas. He had entered into him. Satan, he was indwelled by the devil. And I believe the devil, after he did his dirty work, the devil left him. Why? Because right after Judas does this, he feels horrible, doesn't he? Boy, you know, Satan used that greed he bought to get him to betray Jesus. Boy, he wanted that 30 pieces of silver. But what did he do after the devil left him? He threw it back at the priest. He didn't want it. He felt so bad, he went out and he killed himself. I believe there's the devil probably told him. After the devil used him, hey, you're worthless, you're pathetic. Look what you did. You know what? He could have went to Jesus for mercy. You think Jesus wouldn't have forgiven him? He could have done that. But what did he do? He went and killed himself. Why? He's possessed of the devil. The devil got him to do it and then let him feel bad afterwards. After he was done with them. And you know what? That kind of thing happens all the time. A lot of people that get involved in a lot of horrible things. I and mean, I've heard uh, you know, stories of people who after they did some of the horrible, disgusting things that people are doing these days, I mean, a lot of them went and tried to commit suicide or did successfully commit suicide. Why? Because they felt horrible and disgusting about it. And once again, it's because it's that demonic influence. They want to destroy. They want to, they want to finish you off. And they, and they can influence actions. They get you believing something, uh, then you'll, you'll do something. But So here in the story, we see where Satan, I, I believe it was Satan himself, that entered into Judas. I believe Satan himself is going to enter into the Antichrist. I believe the Antichrist is going to be a man, but Satan is going to indwell. Satan himself is going to indwell him. And at the same time, though, a lot of times we'll talk about, well, you know, the, you know, the devil made me do it, or you know, the devil's working here, the devil's working there. But you know what? It isn't always necessarily Satan himself doing the work, but Satan he just gets the credit for it. Because he's the leader of all the devils and all the demons. For example, if you ask somebody, you know, who took down the World Trade Centers, you know, they'll say, Osama bin Laden. But was Osama bin Laden in that plane? No. But, you know, he was the mastermind or whatever. He was the head of Al Qaeda. And therefore, uh, we credit bin Laden with the World Trade Center attacks. And uh, go to Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. This is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You, and you remember this story, how they lied. And Peter, after he, he calls Ananias out for this, and he said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back 
part of the price of the land. He says, why did Satan fill your heart? Now, I don't know that it was necessarily Satan himself that got Ananias to do this. I don't know that. Okay, and I'm not, but at the same time, Satan was the leader of whoever did it. He was the one that was responsible for it. For example, I don't know that I've ever necessarily been influenced by Satan himself. However, I have been influenced, I'm sure, many times by one of his minions, by one of his devils. Therefore, uh, Satan kind of gets the credit because he is the leader of all those things. For example, God protects us, but yet sometimes I believe he uses his angels to protect us. Now, do we praise the angels when that happened? Do we pray to the angels? No, we pray to the God who controls the angels, the God who orders the angels. So it was the angels, maybe they were the ones doing the work, but it's God who gets the credit because God is in charge of the angels. And so we can talk about maybe, you know, Satan. Boy, Satan, he just got a hold of that person. And it may not have been the devil himself, but it was one of his followers. Therefore, he gets the credit for it. So, you know, not trying to get technical or anything, uh, you know, but if somebody says, you know, you know, the, you know, the devil was involved, yeah, he was. Because it was his followers, therefore, because he's the leader of them. He is the one that did it or gets, I guess, credit for it, I guess you would say. So, uh, and the truth is because these demons, too, they're organized. They are organized. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we looked at a couple weeks ago, it talked about uh, you know, principalities and powers. I believe, I, I don't know how it all works, but there are, there's archangels in heaven. There's different you know, levels and different ranks of them in heaven. And I believe it's the same thing with the devils. There are some that are higher up, some that are more power than others, have more power than others. I think probably, you know, a lot of the big ones, they are probably the ones that are working, you know, with the kings and you know, I think probably most of them spend a lot of their time in Washington, DC. I think a lot of the big ones are there. I think Satan spends much of his time there, you know, probably at the uh in New York at the um What's that called? The UN, United Nations. I, I, I but that place is probably so full of demons that's not even funny. And I think they definitely spend a lot of time there. Uh, the Vatican, you know, places like that. I think a lot of the big shots are there. But who is it? If we were, you know, it's it's the devil. The devil's working in all those places. But he's got the people under him. But it's his work. He's the one that gets the credit. And they are. They're organized. They have the different ranks, different abilities. And so, this hidden enemy, as we call it. You know, these, these devils, we can't see them. They're real. But the last thing I want you to notice about them is they know that they're doomed. And therefore, they have nothing to lose. You know, those are the people you have to be the most scared of. Are the people with nothing to lose. The people that... You know, they don't have a reputation to worry about. You know, they don't have family. You know, like some of these guys in prison, that they know they're going to be there for the rest of their life. They've got nothing to lose. If they were to escape, okay, they're not going to decide, well, I'm going to, you know, now that I'm out, I'm just going to be a law abiding citizen and everything's right. No, they've got nothing to lose. If they need to kill one or two more people to, you know, keep their freedom, they'll do whatever, like, because they have nothing to lose. 
how can you get in any more trouble than you know life in prison or you know the, or the death penalty or whatever? And it's the same thing with these devils. In Luke chapter four verse thirty four. We looked at that in the beginning, but it says, "Saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us?" They know that they, Jesus can destroy them, and they know that someday He is going to destroy them. In one of the other Gospels, when Jesus came again to somebody who was being possessed, He said, Art thou come to destroy us before the time? Art thou come to destroy us before the time? They know eventually they're going down. They know it. They know there's an appointed time where they are going to be cast into the lake of fire that God created for them. They know that's going to happen. They know that's ultimately where they're going to end up. Luke chapter 8 and verse 31 says, And they brought, uh, and they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. The deep. The abyss. I, I, I personally believe that when Jesus would cast these devils out, or whenever the disciples or anybody would cast these devils out, they would get thrown into the bottomless pit. Well, what is the bottomless pit? Well, that's a special part of hell. The Bible says that Judas went to, or that Satan went to, and that one of these days in the tribulation is going to be opened. And when it's open, these demons and these devils that have been cast into that bottomless pit, they're coming back out. And they're going to do, they're going to do a lot of damage. It says in Revelation 12, verse 12, it says, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. These demons, they know that they're doomed. They've got nothing to lose. They might as well do as much damage as possible. They're going to take as many people down as they can with them because they do they know. They absolutely know what's going to go what's going to happen. And you know sometimes I so I don't even like talking a whole lot about Satan. I think we need to talk about Jesus a lot more than Satan. And a lot more than even some people, they get really caught up in the stuff, and they'll get to talking about the forces of evil and just how powerful they are. How can we, you know, possibly defeat Satan? Well, well, just because we have a powerful foe, that does not give us an excuse, because we have a much more powerful ally, don't we? First John chapter four verse four says, "Ye are of God, little children." And have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. For a Christian to say the devil made me do it, alright? To try to blame the devil, okay? That's a natural thing to do. Anybody remember who started that? Eve? Yeah. The devil made me do it. The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. You know, that. Okay, so that's a natural thing. We do that. We inherited that from her. Our great-great-great-grandma gave us that. But we know better. We know better because God is much more powerful than Satan. And therefore, if we... If Satan Satan does influence and get us to do something we shouldn't do, it's because we let it happen. It's because we chose to let that happen. And we, we can't... We cannot be making excuses for that. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. God's power 
is so much more. The devil's power does not compare to God's power. Yes, the devil, he is more powerful than us. But he's not more powerful than what is in us. And that is the Holy Spirit of God. And so we don't need to fear those things. Okay? I'm not going to go, you know, I don't need to fear getting demon possessed tonight. And uh, I don't have to fear that. Okay? Now, we can, so we can be influenced, but we've, we've got to let it happen. And next week, I'm just going to kind of give you a little sneak peek at next week. But the Bible talks about our adversary. We have an enemy, an adversary. Our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay? He wants to devour anybody he can. But he can't devour anybody. There's only the people that he may devour. We're going to talk about those people next week. Because that could be us if we're not careful. So, with that, let's go ahead and stand together. We're heads bowed and eyes closed.